Good morning. I think the glass here is not just half full, but all the way full. Is this yours, Joel? Good. I won't spit in it. Try not to anyway. Glad to have you guys here. Friday morning. Not yet a good fall day, but we're working toward it, it looks like. Hopefully we'll have some leaves falling soon. How many of you guys know that we are in the middle of Christmas train season? If that hasn't been already made aware, made, you've been made aware of that. Um, you know, over this last however many years, thanks ever since it started, me and my wife have always volunteered at that. How many people here have volunteered before? So a lot, a lot of you have. A lot of you have not. I see a lot of hands not up. I'll have to tell you, it's one of the most exciting things we do at Christmas as a family is to go out there and serve people. And, you know, one thing that I love is that you just have an opportunity. People are there. Their hearts are ready to receive something. They don't always know what, but they just want a good time. Everybody at Christmas time wants a warm fuzzy. They want to go somewhere where they can bring their family. They can have a good time. Uh, and that's Christmas train is it in our, in our town. And we don't really have much like it. And it's very interesting that that, that thing sold out in three hours in just a few minutes. So... It, uh, it went super fast, so um, I don't know about you guys, but I was up at really early trying to get my tickets, and I was nervous the entire time because that little ticker has like five minutes on it, so I'm like, i got to get my credit card out. It's like, you know, five o'clock, my eyes aren't working, it, but we got it done. Um, and you know what's interesting, I did a little bit of research to find out, you know, I, my suspicions were that people at Christmas time, their hearts are a little bit softer toward the things of God. And um, there was a research that I found, it was a 2014 study led by Michael Lipka, a senior editor at Pew Research Center, and here's what he discovered. Americans largely believe that elements of the traditional Christmas story reflect actual historical events. So I was really surprised at that. In the day that we live, it seems like Christmas is kind of just, you know, more about Santa and less about Jesus. And in his birth. 73% say that Jesus was born to a virgin. 81% believe that he was laid in a manger. 75% say that wise men, guided by a star, brought Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 74% believe that an angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. That is shocking to me that that they actually believe that. And then lastly, 65% of adults believe that all four of these things actually happened while 14% say none of them happened. So what that tells me is that so maybe we're not as far off as we think that, that people are, and maybe we've been led to believe that, that Jesus is, is, is or was. And so this is one of those times that we get to be a part of maybe that time in someone's life when their hearts are softened toward the things of God, and we can be part of that of showing, showing Jesus' love at Christmas train. So highly, highly encourage you, if you go to cotm.info, it'll get you set up for everything you need to volunteer. But I will tell you this, don't just sign up for one night, sign up for more than one night, because once you get out there, I've done this before at the beginning, got out there and said, man, if I just, I wish I had signed up for one more night. Um, and especially those nights that are closest to Christmas, those are the nights that usually are the hardest to fill for volunteers. So if you can find a, a date maybe toward Christmas, those are the ones that typically aren't filled as much. So I want to highly encourage you for that. That's my plug for Christmas train. Um, also just a reminder in case you didn't know um, all of these breakfasts are recorded and they are on iTunes so if you go to iTunes go to uh, podcast and then you type in keyword COTM men's breakfast they're all there so especially if you missed last month uh, Brandon Curine was absolutely incredible we did have to bleep out a few words so if you get to that part (laughs) you'll know that uh, just to fast forward uh, today, we're super excited to have Joel Wyland here with us from J. David Jewelry. You know, one thing that, um, you know, first of all, I just want to ask, how many of you here are self-employed? Just let me see your hands real quickly. So a few of us are here. You know, um, I feel you today, and I'm sure Joel will feel you today, too. Um, it takes guts to figure out how to run a business, um, especially 
uh, a business plan, your marketing, your capital, hiring, firing, taxes, growth, downturn economies, upgrowth, uh, upgrowth economies, product life, product death. All these things are all things that we face as business owner. I, too, am a business owner. Um, and then there's fear. And the fear knocks at the door every single day that you own a business or really anything you do that's outside the lines of what you do normally from your job. Um, am I good enough to lead these people? Will I have enough to be, meet payroll? Will, I, will people continue to want my services? And will I have enough to provide for my family? Will I have enough money to retire when I do? These are all questions that we're faced with. And the ultimate fear every day is, will I fail at this? And we can, we can apply that even if you're not a business owner, you can apply that to pretty much anything. Anything you start, will I be able to finish it? And will I have fear of it? Today, we are blessed to hear from a successful business owner who's time-tested and whose business is flourishing, and one who understands what it means to conquer fear uh, and the fear of failure. So today, please welcome with me to Men's Breakfast, Mr. Joel Weiland. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this is uh, an honor. And <clears throat> when Johnny asked me to do this three months ago, I started preparing. And with that, it's like, how do you prepare for this? I've been going to church here for 21 years. And I look back and, I mean, just to, to be up here, not just with the guys that have already been up here on stage to follow that, I mean, whether it be Pastor George or Witt or even talking to Randy DeBell earlier and Melton. I mean, just person after person after person. I, I don't compare to these guys. And at the same time, I've never stood on a stage before. So I apologize up front for anything that comes out of my mouth that shouldn't come from a stage. And with that, I, I started working three months ago on what, what do I say to you guys? And I prepared a sermon, and it had intro music. I had really cool videos. I had background backup. I, I even had a choir that was going to come out. And I love fireworks, and at the end, we were going to have pyrotechnics come out. <clears throat> and last night, I, I was thinking, it's like, something's not right. What am I missing? And I'm like, that's not me. And I'm not a preacher. I've never preached a sermon. But I love people, and I love men. That sounded bad. <laughs> See, jeez. Uh, <clears throat> I am not a polished speaker. <laughs> so you guys know what I mean. Thank you. <clears throat> so... Uh, we, <laughs> So I just want to start off telling a story that uh, I, I've always been kind of an extremist in everything I do. One of those is I'm busy, just like all of you. Sometimes there's not enough hours in a day or hours in a week or days in a week, and you run out. There's 168 hours in a week. I've put in a request to add more hours to the day. I haven't got a response yet. <clears throat> so with that I know working out's important. I should do it. Studies say you're supposed to do it like 30 minutes a day, five times a week. That works out to be, if you do the math, an hour and a half a week times four, six hours a month. Not too bad. So I figure if I do it all in one day, I got a month's worth of workout. So, because that's, I mean, I get, I get one day I can fit that in. So <clears throat> I uh, had sitting in a service, pastor was preaching on sin. 
And I'm thinking, you know, this, this message doesn't apply to me. I could have I, I stayed home today. <clears throat> and he hits a part, and he's going through just sin, bad sin, stuff that you think of as like they're a bad person. And he got to a part that, and you guys know that part where you're the only one sitting in the room and he's talking to you. And he got to this part where he said, maybe you're sitting in here and you're thinking, I could have stayed home today. I'm like, uh-oh, here it comes. He's talking to me. And he said, maybe, maybe you go to a restaurant. You guys, you order your, you're there with your family and everybody orders their food and you finish your plate and they're done, but there's, there's still stuff on their plate. You finish their plates too. And then you order dessert. And then you get up and you are miserable. And you knew that before you did it, you were going to be miserable. Or you sit down and, man, you peel open the top of that half gallon of ice cream. Mm, man, your favorite kind. And you eat the whole half gallon. He was talking to me. Because I, I can do that and not even think about it. I'm like, mm, this is so good. But it, it, it catches up to you like 30, 45 minutes later. And, but I got home that day and I thought, all right, well, let's change. Let's change this. I mean, it's all up here. So I'm like, I'm going to start working out. So uh, that next morning we had a, I don't really work out. So I had one of those bicycles that stay in place that you get to lay down on. <clears throat> I mean, it's like, this is the, my best excuse for working out. So I, I get on this bike, and I know I'm going to stay on it for a really long time because I've got some lost time to make up for. <clears throat> and at this point, I've got my water bottle, I've got a book, I've got my TV set up, I'm watching Sunday football, I, I can go for six hours, I can do this. So about an hour into it, I've drank my water, I'm sitting in a puddle of sweat, pretty gross, and my three-year-old son at the time, Christopher, comes in and he's like, oh, Daddy, you're sweaty. And I said, yes, I am. And he's like, are you thirsty? And I said, yeah, Christopher, I am. And he goes, can I get you a drink? I'm like, bud, that would be great. So his room's at the other end of the hall. So he runs down to the other end of the hall, and he's got Dixie cups on his sink. So I'm thinking, I have no idea. He's going to go get me downstairs, get me a bottle of water. But no, he comes back. And this is what I envision in my head, that he's literally doing this the, the, whole, the whole way back. Now, you see how much water's left in this? That's what he made it back with. So I, you know, mm, oh, I mean, just a drop, just to get my tongue wet. And he's like, Daddy, can I get you some more? And I'm like, sure. This goes on for a couple hours. <clears throat> I mean, just drink, excuse me, drop after drop. <clears throat> and a couple hours, I'm done. I don't got anything left. And at that point, he's like, Daddy, can I get you another drink? And I said, no, Christopher, I'm done. Oh, okay. And I broken hearted. But I was done. <clears throat> so that night, we're getting ready for bed. And we get into his bathroom, and I'm helping him brush his teeth, and he's like, he looks at, he goes to pull that Dixie cup off the, his counter, and he pulls it off, and he remembers getting me a drink earlier. So he says, Daddy, can I get you a drink? And I'm like, no, Christopher, that's okay. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's brokenhearted. 
So at that point, I'm like, okay, Christopher, you can get me a drink. And he goes, oh, okay. So he grabs that cup off the sink and he steps off his stool and he goes over to the toilet. <laughs> puts his hand all the way down to the bottom to make sure it's all the way full. And he comes up with the biggest smile on his face and he says, here you go, daddy. As you can imagine, the look on my face was not the one I have on right now. And he apparently understood that something was wrong because that smile on his face disappeared like that. And he automatically had this face of fear. And I'm thinking, okay, his, is that reflecting what my face is? And, but at this point, I'm still in the heat of the moment. And I'm like, Christopher, where did you get my water earlier? And he's, uh-oh, I messed up. But at three years old, he's already into, apparently, sales. Because he says, Daddy, it's okay. I flushed the toilet first. It was clean water. <clears throat> so, this morning I thought, uh, when I was preparing, started preparing for this three months ago, Last night, I knew something wasn't right, and I threw it all in the trash because I'm not a preacher. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to come up here and share my heart. A lot of you in here do know me. And I thought, how do I fill 35 minutes with relevant material? And I thought, I don't know if I can. So I thought, well, I'll just get up there and talk. So if you know me, you know I can talk literally to a wall, so I'm going to do that for the next 20 minutes, like you guys aren't even there and we'll be okay. <clears throat> um, but in, I, I love uh, finding things in the Bible that nobody's ever seen. And my wife says I make them up sometimes. And I'm like, no. I mean, last night I saw in the Bible they had cereal. And I'm like, Wait, how did they have cereal? I'm like, no, they really did. And it's just one of these little things that I like to pick out that just it's fun. So it's the last time Jesus is eating with his disciples, and it says that he had some broiled fish. It's like, they even told you how he cooked it. I'm like, that's pretty cool. It wasn't sushi. They cooked it. But he also had some honeycombs. <laughs> I mean, it says it. You can go find it in the Bible. So... Over the last several months, just trying to find, you know, different verses that relate to fear. Last night, you know, and Google's great. I mean, you can find so much in the Bible with Google. So just verses related to fear. So I start reading some verses last night. And I can't tell you where it's at. But again, it's just me reading it the way I read it. There's a guy in the Bible, he was so afraid that it says his hips were loosed. And his knees were physically knocking. So I'm like, okay. I always try and translate it into a way that I understand it. Well, when my hips are loose, I'm going down like this. I don't know what you guys do when you go down like this. But I'm thinking, man, he pooped his pants. <clears throat> it says it in the Bible. I mean, go find it. So that's kind of how I feel right now. Just so you know. Um, so, you know, I thought, how do I relate, you know, even drinking water out of a toilet to, 
to what I, what I can give you guys this morning. And it's, for some reason, it's like every story in the Bible that I relate to fear has something to do with water. Whether it's Jonah in the belly of a well, whether it be Jesus sleeping in the bow of the boat while the disciples think that they're all going to die and drown. <clears throat> Jesus walks out on the water. They think he's a ghost. So there's a lot of stories in the Bible just about water. But uh, I want to, in fear, I want to tell you kind of my story of times that I've had to deal with it to where I didn't know that I would get out of it. And <clears throat> just kind of tell you my story starting from the beginning. Uh, I didn't grow up. A lot of people ask me, so was your dad in the jewelry business? Nope, he wasn't. <clears throat> and even the name of our store, where's J. David come from? Well, my dad named me four years before I was born. And he he, he tells, he's, I remember hearing the story for the first time that my mom was standing at the top of the stairs and he looked at her and said, we will have a son. His name will be Joel David. It comes from Acts chapter 2. It says, and the prophet David said and the prophet Joel said. <clears throat> so I was named four years before I was even born. <clears throat> we were trying to come up with the name for our jewelry store. It's like, what do we name it? So I'm like, Joel's Jewels? Nope. <laughs> You know, just my wife didn't go for that one. <clears throat> so, but going back to uh, fear, and I struggled, I've always struggled with it in whether it be as a kid, whether it be in starting my business, in my business. One of the, I asked my wife a couple weeks ago, I said, in our marriage, what's one time that you can really remember fear just being overwhelming. And more often than not, <clears throat> being aware of fear is one of the most important things. Knowing that that's what it is, because how do you fight it if you don't know what you're fighting? And we had a time in our business, we, my wife and I kind of tell you how we got started. We started going to church on the move in February of 95. And it was, I mean, just even how we ended up at Church on the Move is a great story, but the week after we started going to Church on the Move, <clears throat> Pastor George did a series on prosperity. It was a six-week series, and at that point, I was actually, I just started working out of our house. I say just, it had been about six months. That year, we had done $9,000 in total sales. Our house payment was $342. We had no other house payments except for electric gas, some gas in the car sometimes, uh, and food. And we learned how to live on nothing. For five years, we did that. <clears throat> and, but when Pastor started doing this series on prosperity, he used the story of when Jesus fed the, the masses in the desert, 5,000 men. They say it could have been up to 25,000 people. And with that... <clears throat> Uh, he used two fish and five loaves. I mean, it, nothing. He started with nothing. But it wasn't nothing. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, what do you have? And they said, we don't have anything. I'm like, no, go out, see what you can get, bring me back what you find. And so they come back, and you guys know the story. They stole a kid's Happy Meal, the fish and <clears throat> nuggets and chip or bread. And, and Jesus said, all right, you did what I told you to do. Now let's pray over it. I'm going to give it back to you and then go feed the people. 
So <clears throat> it says he blessed it and he gave it back to him. And I, I again, I, I can't wait to see the movie. Um, but uh, when he handed it back to him, it, it hadn't multiplied yet. So he goes, go feed them. And they're looking at him like, uh, nothing's happened. This isn't going to feed 25,000 people. So he goes, go do it. So they go out and they, they're broke up into f- groups of 50 and they start breaking the bread and it never runs out. In fact, when they were done, they had 12 baskets left over. And I'm like, I, I can do that. This is easy. I, I've, got, I've got two fish and five loaves. So we started our business literally with two rings and 500 bucks. That's what we started our business with. But it was everything I had. I didn't have any more, but it was everything I had. And it's like if God can multiply two fish and five loaves, surely he can multiply my two rings and 500 bucks. So fast forward 10 years, we've grown, we've got employees, we've got taxes, and I know nothing about what I'm doing, which pretty much defines my entire life. Um, So with that said, I'm a pretty big failure. I've failed at being a son. I've failed at being a friend. I've failed at being a father. I've failed at being a husband. But that's okay. And I love the series that they're doing in church right now that if you're not perfect, you're perfect. Because none of us are. And in 05, October 15th, I love jokes especially I mean just ones that take a lot of in-depth thought and process just to really get somebody and uh, on October 15th of 05 I would I knew somebody was jacking with me really good this guy walks in he's about five foot two maybe a hundred pounds and he slaps his badge up on the counter and he says, I'm the sheriff and I'm here to take you to jail. I'm like, giddy up, let's go, buddy. And I'm like, I, I, I knew somebody knew me well enough to tell him all the things that he knew. So uh, I really thought it was a joke. Well, <laughs> I'm going along with it. And <clears throat> with that, I, I'm like, okay, let's play along, and, and uh, so we got to the point to where we're maybe 10 minutes into this, and I mean, he's turning beet red, and he's getting madder, and his voice keeps raising, and I, th- I think I hit the point that I'm like, I don't think this guy's joking. <clears throat> so what had happened, which, again, I, I, everything I've done, I've never done, and we had grown past the point to where apparently there's tax laws. Uh, And when you don't make money, you don't pay any taxes. But when you start building a business, apparently these rules and laws change. And ignorance, I I tried to use the ignorance as bliss, excuse, doesn't work. So we had employees, and apparently when your payroll goes over a certain dollar amount, you can't pay pay quarterly taxes anymore. You have to pay bi-weekly. And I learned the valuable lesson of the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant. So we had a bookkeeper. And for two years, we were not paying taxes properly. 
And there might have been some other things that weren't done right either because, again, it was a bookkeeper, not an accountant. And uh, we had a $198,000 tax bill, apparently, that I had no idea that existed. I didn't have that much money. In fact, at the time, we had about $2,000 in the bank. And I looked at that. We had 90, we had till December 31st to pay that bill of $198,000. And that was so much bigger than me. It was more money than I'd ever had in my life. And looking back at that, <clears throat> we were, they were going to lock our doors, close our business, sell our assets, and just everything else. Uh, oh, yeah, and put me in jail. <clears throat> and I remember going home that night thinking, I won't do good in jail. I've heard what happens. <laughs> and I, I was scared. And I, re, I didn't sleep that night. I think there were several nights I didn't sleep. And I, I mean, I, I, I could not get past this number. And I was so focused on the fear. And I remember going, a few days had passed and I was supposed to meet uh, someone for breakfast, Panera, and I'm walking out the door. My wife hands me two Panera gift cards. That's where I was going. She goes, I don't know if there's anything on here. Might as well take them. I had $20 in my pocket. I didn't need my breakfast paid for. I get to Panera, order my coffee and whatever, bagel, and the girl says it's $6.47. I said, okay, great. Can you see if there's anything on here? She goes, sure. So she swipes it, and she goes, there's 49 cents on it. I'm like, okay. She goes, do you want to use it? I'm like, oh, yeah. She goes, okay, your balance is $5.98. I'm like, okay. Can you see if there's anything on this one? So she swipes it, and she goes, $5.98. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And she goes, no. Why would I? And I said, and I just start laughing. And, I, and she goes, what's so funny? And I said, you, you, do you not see that? And she goes, see what? And I said, I just gave you two gift cards. I didn't know if they had anything on them. They were random numbers that just happened to add up to exactly what I ordered. She goes, huh, yeah, I guess that is a coincidence. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I loved, it was at that moment that I realized there's nothing that's too big for God. And if he wants to play with me by sticking some random amounts on a Panera gift card, and he showed me right there, I've got this. If I can mess with two Panera gift cards and how it even happened, I mean, it had to be orchestrated. And I love <clears throat> Einstein said that coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. I love that saying. And... <clears throat> I was able at that point to say, okay, God, you did not bring me to this point to fail. And I let it go. And it was at that point that my focus came off of that number. My focus came off of the fear. My focus went to God. And it was so cool that since then, fear is always going to try and attack you. Fear is an emotion, though. If you've choose to accept it and dwell on it, guess what? It's not going to leave. There's nowhere in the Bible does it talk that fear is a good thing. 
it's, it's bad. Yes, we're supposed to use wisdom and keep us from failure, to keep us from harm or danger. So what is, at that point, how do you keep from dwelling on fear? And it's to put your focus off of where the fear's at, and it's God. And what's the opposite of fear? And it's peace. And that's where the Bible says that we will have peace that passes all understanding. But it's when we have to, our focus is on God. And it's so cool. I have never been, I've never read the Bible all the way through. I desire to one day do that. <clears throat> and I've tried many times. I start the one year plan, three chapters a day, gets you through the Bible in one year, and then life happens and you lose track and you get it off a few days. So then I've got to read nine chapters at once. And <clears throat> I was born in the early 70s. They had not diagnosed ADD yet. If they had, I would have been heavily medicated, I'm confident, as a child. One way I, I, I think that I can even prove it is the fact that I went to six different high schools in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My parents never moved once and I never got kicked out of one school. I wasn't a bad kid, but I needed change on a regular basis. I always wanted change. So I'd come home and I'd tell my parents, hey, can I, can I move schools again? They're like, okay. <clears throat> and I look back on that and that's the story of my life is constant change. And you read books that say that you're supposed to set goals, whether it be a 30-day goal, a one-year goal, a three-year goal, a five-year goal, a 10-year goal. And those goals always change. And I've always had the hardest time creating that goal in the future because who I am today is not who I was a year ago. And how do I create a goal for someone that doesn't exist right now? And, but that's me, and I love change. To other people, that's insanity. You know, you like to do what you do every day. You like to get in a rhythm and a habit. And that's, I mean... That is comfortable for some people. But at the same time, I love, <clears throat> and it's so cool how if you've got kids, uh, your kids can actually minister to you on a regular basis. <clears throat> and I'll never forget one time I'd said, uh, man, my allergies are killing me. And my son was, I think he was six at the time. He goes, dad, why'd you say that? And I said, say what? And he said, why'd you say they're your allergies? Aren't they bad? I'm like, mm-hmm. And he goes, well, if they're bad, why are they yours? Aren't they the devil's? I'm like, uh-huh. So I made a point at that point, never again will they be my allergies. I don't have allergies anymore. And they, I mean, I'm not kidding you. My eyes would itch so bad, I would like start digging at them. They would start swelling up like, and start poking out. It would drive my wife crazy because then I would start doing this. and She's like, don't do that. <clears throat> I'm like, it makes them feel better. <clears throat> so if you're comfortable where you're at and life's easy, are you where God wants you to be? And I loved a saying one time is, I always want to need we had a guy at our church several years ago, and he gets up, 
And for five minutes, he goes on about, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need this, I need more money, I need, I'm like, golly, I do not like this guy. And he kept going on about, I need a helicopter, and I need a plane, and I need another church, and I need houses, I need cars, I need buses, I need, and I'm, I mean, he was getting really annoying. And then he finally got, he, 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 I mean, he built it up so much. And then he said, the Bible says, God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, if you don't have any needs, where's God fit in? And I'm like, whoa, I want to make sure I'm always creating needs. And with that, I'll never, just even looking back over the last, my wife and I started our business. We've been at Church on the Move 21 years. We started our business 21 years ago. And every time the church has been in a growth phase, a building plan, they need this or they need that. I've always made sure that we become a vital part of that growth. And I can measure my business in significant milestones by every single thing our church has ever done in growth. And I can't wait for the next one. And I know it's right around the corner. Because it's always the perfect timing. And there's been many times where I've thought that I messed up. I didn't follow God. It wasn't God's timing. And the best one that <clears throat> I remember was at the time we were doing a, our gross sales was $125,000 a year. That year we made $11,000 of what we brought home. And... Again, we lived very modestly. And <clears throat> I felt at that point it would have been, uh, we were getting, we were building phase two. So we were building the new, no, I'm sorry. We were building the building we're standing in right now. <clears throat> and uh, I felt like we were supposed to move. And at $127,000 a year business with about a $10,000 a year profit, I found a building I thought we were supposed to buy. It was $750,000. And I'm like, whoa, how do I pay for that? So I came up with the plan. I put it on paper. and I called up a guy that I valued his opinion <clears throat> and took him over to it and let him look at it. And I said, I'm afraid. And he goes, what are you afraid of? And I said, well, if things don't go like what I have on paper, then I could lose everything I got. He goes, well, that's fair. Tell me again how you got started. <laughs> and he knew my story. And I said, well, I, I got started with two rings and 500 bucks. How much of that was what you had? Well, I said, it was everything I had. How's it any different? I'm like, huh, just a few more zeros. So it was at that point that I learned that money in God's, I mean, I, it's like, imagine, I heard this one, imagine looking at God's bank account. It's all his. So at that, we opened our, we bought that building, we opened the business the week of September 11th of 2001. <clears throat> we were closing the week before, our last day at the old store, we had our last day 911 moving cell that all our marketing said it. It was a bad day. We didn't do any business that day. We didn't do any business the next week. 
we didn't do any business the next six months hardly. And it's like, ouch. And it came back to that I missed God. And I started focusing on all my failures. And Joe McGee was here, I think the month before last. And he said something that really hit home to me. And growing up, I grew up in a wonderful Christian home and grew up in church, been in church my whole life. But one of the things that I've I've failed on in my entire life is when I mess up, I know I mess up. I don't need anybody to tell me. And at that point, I draw back from God. And I take another step back. And the more I step back, guess what? The more I screw up. And then when Joe McGee said it just six weeks ago, it was so cool. It's like, we have to program in our mind we do just the opposite. When we screw up, we take that step towards God, not away from him. It goes back to if you're not perfect, you're perfect. The disciples were screw-ups. And, I mean, I loved, I read the other day that Jesus walks into town and Zacchaeus is up in a tree. A wee little man was he. <clears throat> There's people that don't know that song, which it just breaks my heart. But Jesus looked up at the tree and he saw this loser. I mean, Zacchaeus was a bad, I mean, he was a loser. I mean, not only was he just a Napoleon complex kind of guy, I picture. But, <clears throat> he, I mean, it said that he was a tax collector. He stole money from people. People hated his guts, and Jesus said, come down. Take me to your house. Feed me. I want to stay with you. He doesn't pick out the best person in the room. He picks the one that's willing. And just taking that to heart, are, are you willing? It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week or last month. He wants you right where you're at. And... I love knowing that I can screw up right now. Lord knows I already have in a few places. And God doesn't see that. And to know that God will take me just as I am, no matter what, whenever, that I never have to fear him as far as his love for me will never change. And when you can grasp that and hold on to it, you can't fail. And I, I had a, a last two years ago, I had a lifelong friend that he did something that just made me so mad. And I'm like, I will never talk to that guy again the rest of, rest of my life. <clears throat> and two years went by. I didn't talk to him. And I got to thinking, I was like, why, why am I so mad? It's like, because he hurt me. And as a guy... To admit that somebody hurts you because I was mad and typically anger comes from fear or hurt and it's that fear of being hurt again. I'm not ever going to let him hurt me again so therefore I'll never talk to him again I'm like how what if he need what if I'm the only friend he's got he needs me so I called him up and I said I'm coming over to talk to you and I went over and I said I just want you to know I'm really pissed off at you and he's like, well, I'm pissed off at you. And I'm like, good, we're on the same page. We get that out of the, we got that out. We understand where we're at. 
And I said, I love you. And thinking this morning, uh, just even knowing the family I grew up in, my dad probably doesn't even know this story. I've never said it. When I turned 16 years old, I screwed up. And there was a point, and I don't know when it was, but my dad and I quit saying I love you. And I knew I wanted to say it so bad, but it's like, I can't say it if he doesn't say it. And we were at an Ed Cole men's conference. I couldn't tell you when it was. And he stood up and he said, you know, sometimes guys just need to say I love you. Whoever it is that's sitting next to you, just tell them you love them. And I, I actually, it had been seven years. <clears throat> stood up, gave my dad a hug and told him I love him. We don't ever talk now without saying I love you. Thank you, Dad. <clears throat> I love you guys. I, I, I can't tell you I would, I would, my life today is about serving you. Just last month, came up with a new motto for my business, everybody that works there. And everybody's got a mission statement. I'm like, you know what? I didn't even know what it was without reading it. So I had to change it to where it's our purpose statement. And it's to show unconditional love through us, our people, our processes, and our product. That's the last thing we do. So, uh, the last thing I'd like to leave with you guys is how do you fight fear? And I go back on January the 7th of this year. I took my wife to the hospital. Something wasn't right. We go to ER. They do an MRI, and they say, we think she might have cancer. It's like, oh, there's that fear. And it lasted for maybe 60 seconds. And I'm like, I, I, I said bull crap. You can edit that one, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it might have been a little bit. Uh, but I mean, I, it's like, I'm ready to fight. I was mad. I'm ready to fight. And I'm like, no, Satan, you don't get to be part of this. It wasn't cancer. It might have been when they took the picture. But when they went back and looked at it, it was just a big old nasty blood clot. And then they kept saying all this other bad stuff. Well, she could dislodge, she can die. This is, uh-uh. And it was so cool. They went in, cut it out. She's all good. It's all, it's all good. A year ago from that, she had something on the bottom of her foot. We think it's cancer. Mm-mm. It was a wart. I mean, that's funny. And... How do you fight that fear when it just punches you right in the gut, right? I mean, it's because, I mean, you, you feel it. You can't ignore it, but how do you fight it? The way you fight it, you got to spend time with God every morning. And I don't care if it's 60 seconds. And the part in the Bible that I love to focus on is when Jesus walks out on the water, they thought he was a ghost, why? Because they didn't know him. They didn't know him well enough yet. How are you supposed to know God? And it actually says <clears throat> that when they called out to, he was going to pass them by. 
He was going to walk right past him. He's walking on the water. And he was going to walk right past him. Why? Because it says they didn't know him. We don't want God to pass us by. And he's not going to. And it says he came into the boat when they called out his name. It's all you got to do. If you want God in your boat, just call out his name. Every day. And a great friend of mine, uh, he told me it was a month ago, and we worked every day just to spend that, every, that time every morning. And I loved what he said to me. He was really struggling with it. He said, I know why it's so tough. And I said, why is that? And he said, because once you start, you can't stop. And he goes, that 60 seconds turns into 15 minutes and 30 minutes. And your love starts growing. And there's more people you got to pray for. And you want to know God more. It's contagious. But we need each other to stay accountable. So that's what I encourage you guys to do is spend the time in the morning with God. That's that chair time. Start with a minute. It's that easy. But make sure it's by yourself. And then it will grow. But then find somebody that you can be accountable to. And just challenge each other. So I want to thank you guys for allowing me to be here today. It's a blessing, an honor, and anything that I could do to serve you guys, that's what I'm here for. Um, I didn't even talk. J. David Jewelry is my business, and I wasn't here to plug it. I wanted to be able to leave you guys with something today that you could take and then be better because of it. So thank you for having me here. I love you. <clears throat> I think we've all been there. You know, spirit, fear is also a spirit. It's one of the things we pray against in our home quite regularly is that God didn't give you a spirit of fear. So for any of you today that might be fighting fear, whether it's fear of loss, fear of gain, fear of something going on in your family, fear of sickness, that, that's not in your life because God put it there. So just like Joel said, you call it out and you stand in faith. You stand in God's word, knowing that all heaven backs you when you say God's word. Let's pray this morning and then... Um, We'll move on to something else. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today, Lord, and to hear from great experience, Lord, and from a man who has definitely heard from you today. God, we thank you that we are not part of a spirit of fear. Lord, as a matter of fact, we rebuke a spirit of fear over our lives. Lord, you didn't come to give us fear, uh, but to give us life and give us health and give it, give it to us in abundance today, Lord. And I pray that every man here today that's dealing with anything that's related to fear, Father, I pray that he would look up Look to your face and see that you are behind us, that you love us, and you want us to prosper and do well. Every area of our lives, our family, our business, our walk, everything we do, thank you that we'll keep our eyes in, in front of your word, Lord, that we will digest it daily, Lord, and live it. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, quickly, Coach Darren Melton uh, spoke to us a couple months ago and kept referring to uh, Tranny Birch. And uh, Mr. Birch was sitting right over here at this table, and I just kept seeing him look over, Mr. Birch, Mr. Birch, Mr. Birch, and I kept hearing that. So I left Men's Breakfast, was out the next week, a couple weeks later, and I kept hearing Tranny Birch. And then I heard it from someone else, and then someone else says, man, Tranny Birch is one of the wisest guys I know. And it just so happened that we had not filled our December Men's Breakfast, and so I, uh, I knew that I was holding it for someone. I didn't know who it was, and uh, so it is Mr. Birch. Um, 
and I'm very thankful to have him here for next, next month. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's an administrator here at Lincoln, has been here for seven years. Uh, he's been in public education for 26 years, which means that when he dies and goes to heaven, he's going to have a place up close to the throne uh, of God after working with kids for that amount of time. Coach Melton says he's the best gifted O-line coach he's ever known. Uh, he's been married to his wife, Kelly, for 29 years. They have three children. And he says that my passion in life is kids and the vehicles that I, I use to live that passion have been football and school. I'm incredibly grateful to serve the families here at Lincoln. The ministry of Church on the Move is what I'm blessed to do. Uh, Mr. Church, Mr. Birch's topics this next month will be, and so aligns with some of the things that you've talked about, is uh, Proverbs 27, 17, where it says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So I'm super excited for you guys and for all of us to hear about what that means in his life and what that can mean for us. Is Mr. Birch here somewhere? I know I saw him earlier. He's there in the back. So glad to have you next month. And, and uh, so I, I really encourage you, you know, don't come to these events alone. Bring someone with you. Buy their ticket. Bring them here. We have plenty of room to grow. We've had both ends, and we can move on to bigger rooms if we need to. But uh, grateful for you guys. Thanks for um, staying just a few extra minutes. But I bless you on this Friday. Thank you for being here, and have a great day. See you.